Episode 139 of the Rollin' and Ramblin' Podcast with Steve Bertrand. I have been busy trying to find my footing with work. They've had me working, still the part-time shift, but five days in a row, and I was feeling very physically fatigued from that, cerebral palsy. Muscle tone, tension, yada, 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 yada. And I think just the general stress and... I don't know if it's anxiety or just, like, just neuropath... New neural pathways being programmed to the point where I was feeling kind of exhausted at nighttime, and I still sort of am. But here's the thing. I need to get back to doing more things that I regularly did. Now, we've all talked about the, and I say we all, uh, me is just specifically talking about the gaps in programming here at the Rolling and Rambling podcast, because sometimes I run out of things to talk about. And I've done a couple of YouTube videos recently. First one was on how I put a speech together, which essentially is, I have set points within the speech, and I have a story with each one of those set points. So it's just, Essentially bullet points. And then each of the bullet points have a story with them. So if I get lost looking at notes or whatever, then I can go back to each of the points and generally find my footing again. And I use the Toastmaster method, which is tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them, which is the speech part. And then tell them what you told them. So the beginning just becomes, what I'm going to talk about today is... Then in the middle, talk about what you're going to talk about. And then at the end, wrap it up and tell them what you talked about. Review the points, which generally is a lot of what I do here. It's a little more organic, a little more free-flowing. But I noticed that my crutch words, I talk about this quite a bit, but I don't always notice them in conversation with people, and I don't notice them as much when I'm trying to record a video. So I often have to sometimes go back and re-record or I lose thought because I'm like, oh, there's my crutch word and then my brain shorts or whatever. Right? So I just want to get to a point where my speaking and my ability to put together continuous thought and coherent thought actually comes back. Because I realized I'm kind of arrogant when it comes to my ability to speak and get in front of people and go into a room and do different things. And if you don't use it, you lose it. So I hadn't put anything out on a video in a while, but I had been speaking on the podcast quite a bit. And that had gone away for a while just because there's been so many gaps with what I've been doing. And I kind of just needed a break from everything. And I go back and forth with sort of thoughts and, and battling whether or not I'm doing the right thing with the podcast, whether I should keep going with it, what I should do with it. I have a lot of this stuff happening and so I needed to sort of revisit why I'm doing a lot of this stuff and I had a conversation with someone today and I said the internet is a very weird place it I, I worry for the next generation not only because you know, Instagram and social media and all that. Everybody puts their best foot forward, especially Instagram. You don't ever see people having bad days, right? You always see them having um, 
sort of good days or the comeback story, even the ads that we get on YouTube and Instagram, you know, especially for things like business related where someone's selling a course, they always talk about, oh, I was living in a, you know, in my parents' basement or a one bedroom. I was living off of ramen noodles and I was broke and then I did this and in 90 days I turned my life around and, you know, you get a lot of that. People end up buying courses and the person that's selling it online is making more money off the course than they are off actually whatever they're teaching you to do. And keep in mind, I'm saying this with the caveat of the possibility that I may at some point sell you a course, but it ain't going to be 1500 bucks. If it's more than... 50, 60 bucks, I'd be darn surprised. I'm probably going to be below 20 bucks because I want people to have value. And I just think if you, if I have something to offer, why charge a crap ton for it? I'd rather have a bunch of people have access to it and be able to get actual help. When you make something unattainable or make it super expensive... Yeah, I get it. People will value it more and do something with it. But also there are people out there that will just throw it on a credit card and go into debt to try and learn something they could have probably learned with a little more time and a little more effort or they could have learned from somebody less expensive. I want to provide value in my own way to somebody and actually make it affordable. So that's my plan. If I ever do a course, I probably won't because I just don't really know what I would talk about at this point. However... There are some people out there that keep telling me um, I have a lot to offer and they like the things that I'm talking about, which is everyone that listens to this podcast. So if you are listening to this podcast episode right now, I always say this and I try and say it on every episode, I damn sure appreciate every single one of you and thank you for sticking with me. And if you get a chance to pop over to my YouTube channel and just uh, probably search Steve Bertrand on YouTube more than you would Rolling Motivation, but if you pop in Steve Bertrand Rolling Motivation, it'll come right up, um, or youtube.com forward slash uh, Rolling Motivation. I don't know if you need the user slash Rolling Motivation anymore, but either way, you'll find me. Um, and then, of course, Instagram is just Rolling Motivation. So... Now that all that crap is out of the way, we are almost seven minutes in, and I haven't really talked about what I wanted to talk about today. This idea that everything is sort of not in my control. I wonder if people people sort of battle with this a little bit. Because as we're sort of coming out of the pandemic, I think it becomes very, very easy to think, oh, well, we don't know what's happening and it's all sort of chaotic. And you, for the whole pandemic, I think we kind of just stopped doing a lot of the stuff that we were doing. And now we're getting back into it. Some people try to keep always doing a lot of the stuff. I haven't been to Aikido as much. You know, work has been kind of crazy. I'm glad I got out and started talking to people. I mean, that that definitely has sort of helped me get... Uh, the creative juices flowing again and a lot of that stuff. But I found myself just recently talking about, talking to some friends and also talking to myself about, oh, I need to get back into the Aikido Dojo. I need to start doing these things. I'm still writing the book. You know, I've, I've continued on, on making 
improvements and, and motion and all that kind of stuff. But at, at some point, we're going to have to get back to like doing normal things. And I realize there's still some fear and trepidation around pandemic and different things. And I've developed a little more sort of paranoia around that kind of stuff, which I'm working through. And I'm telling you this because I want people to realize that a lot of people have the same thoughts. And the other thing about it is I'm getting older. I'm a little more out of shape than I was, even though I've been exercising on a regular basis. And also just, it, it's, I don't know if it actually is even getting harder to go and do things physically. It's just, I am, I am feeling like it's a little bit harder. And I also have to recognize number one, I'm 39. So you start slowing down a little bit. Some people do anyway, even though some people say that's a mentality, whatever. I also recognize that when you have a disability, you can possibly age a little bit faster and I have to be cognizant of just overwhelming myself or doing too much at one time. So I want to be cognizant of all those things. I don't want to be negative. I obviously don't want to attract negative things into my life, right? But, oh, and I've got to stop saying, when I talk with a friend today who's been on the podcast before, he noticed that... One of my big crutch words is right, so I'll say something a little right when I'm talking to someone. And basically what we've decided that that means that I agree is that I'm often trying to, I'm not even trying to convince the other person that I'm right. We've figured out that I'm trying to convince myself that I'm right. So I'll say, man, I need to stop doing this, right? And I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm subconsciously looking for confirma confirmation or trying to 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 convince myself that I am correct in whatever assumption I am making. So the word right after a sentence needs to come out of my vocabulary for sure. And other crutch words such as um or so, the and and but, I try and take them out. However, <laughs> I'm almost going to do it again, they teach... They seem to join sentences together quite well, those words. So having said all of that stuff, I feel pretty good. You know, I spent that I don't know if I told you this before, because I don't know when it's the last time I really chatted, but I went to Moore's, uh, which is a men's clothing store for anybody that is not here in Victoria or in Canada, uh, and I bought more suits and dress pants and things. And I did something fairly smart for anybody that doesn't want to have giant dry cleaning bills all the time, especially for somebody with a disability or maybe you walk around on a walker or use a scooter or whatever, or if you have kids or a dog or things like that. The re so I did this. I bought suit jackets. So I bought the, the you know, your blazer, bought two of them on sale. And then instead of buying like a full suit, I bought actual dress pants that are machine washable so because i get dress pants way dirtier with like just moving around getting dirt off the wheels and getting them on my lap or for instance uh you know if i spill food on it or or just general if i have a bathroom thing or in you know whatever i can i can just wash these pants instead of having to take them to the dry cleaners as well because you you take your blazers or suit coats to the dry cleaners a lot less than you would pants otherwise. So I find out, I kind of put together the combination a little bit of a different way. I bought um, three pairs of 
three pairs of dress pants, a couple of blazers, five shirts, some ties, and a pair of jeans. And the pair of jeans that I spent money on are expensive, but man, do they feel nice. So there is a cheap free plug for um, Moore's clothing store for men, uh, even though they're not paying me for anything. Maybe one day I shall get paid to promote things on this podcast or something. But I just wanted to get on here and let people know I'm doing well and I still appreciate everybody and that we have to get into a situation where we start getting back to normal and looking at our, I don't want to say excuses because some of them are excuses, but looking at our reasons on why we stopped doing things. Now, the pandemic and different things has stopped a lot of us from doing a lot of things and it can be hard to get back into that groove. But also, you know, kids, new job, animals, family members, all of this stuff can 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 get in the way of of living life and doing things you want to do. But here's the caveat with that that's an interesting thing and you have to figure this out for yourself because I'm still trying to figure it out. At what point is it us making excuses for ourselves so we don't do something as opposed to not being realistic for what we're dealing with? And I struggle with that quite a bit because I want to push myself further than I should. And I try not to, I, I try not to do that anymore, but I don't always accept the fact that I have... A limited battery even though I know that I do so you have to find that line and that balance for yourself and then once you find the balance the other thing is take it easy on yourself like get to the point where I like I know if I miss something or I skip out on something I tend to feel pretty bad about doing that and I feel like a, I feel like a bit of a chump like here's a here's an example so I got hired on at the bank to work uh, Monday, Thursday, Friday. And just over the last couple of weeks, they've given me uh, my same shift for five days, right? which has been good. I can use the money. right? But they wanted to do it again next week. And I knew I needed an extra day to do a couple things with, my, with the web design company I work for. And I also got to get some other stuff done. And I could use the, the day in the middle for a bit of a break. But the fact that I asked for the one day instead of the two, I even felt bad about that. Oh, and I, I instantly said, oh, no, I can work five if you need me to. But but the fact of the matter is I felt guilty and I felt like I was sort of jipping them because I wanted that day off. And that's something I'm always working on. It's just the idea that, it's kind of, I, I think I Googled it, and I might have talked about this on the last podcast, but I'm not 100% sure, is that I, I've realized perfectionism is a thing that, that exists in my life. It's this idea that I have this incredibly unrealistic standard for the things that I want to do. And then when I don't get to them, if I don't say the right thing, if I don't do the right thing, sometimes I really beat myself up. And it's not in every situation, because I wouldn't be able to do this podcast if that was the case. I wouldn't be able to put out YouTube videos. probably wouldn't be able to work at a bank where you have a chance to screw everything up all the time, uh, especially with people's money. But there are just certain situations where I feel like, oh, I need to over-explain myself, or I need to re-explain this, or if I can just explain this thing, or whatever, right? So there's a lot of that, and so 
things come out in terms of me wanting to, I guess a good way to explain it is to like, just like rock and roll or crush it or whatever, like just the whole idea of, of just being kind of unstoppable, being David Goggins or being somebody that works 18 hours a day or doing whatever. But even those people don't work like that forever. Right. So as, and this is a good process for me to go through because as I'm saying those things, I'm also talking myself, not out of those, those thoughts. I'm talking myself through. And this is the one thing that I've, I've realized I'm not going to call it cognitive behavior, cognitive behavioral therapy or anything of the, that sort. But I got some good advice when I was talking to a friend today and he said that I need to challenge my thoughts more. And I think I do that a lot, uh, but I, I can definitely do it more. And I think I also fall into the habit sometimes of reaching out and wanting to talk to somebody and just talk out my stuff. And I think there's a place for that because I'd rather have some of those thoughts out than in if I trust the person or, or you know, if I feel like I can, it's a safe space to confess, uh, just some insecurities that I'm having or whatever the, the case may be. But I also have to recognize that I don't always need to talk about that stuff. And we get into habits sometimes of saying things or doing things because they're comfortable. We go to the same restaurants, we go to the, talk to the same people. Sometimes we talk about the same stuff, especially if it's something that's a trigger, right? If someone's going through something, uh, you know, at work, we tend to bitch about work a lot or whatever the deal is. Like, this is the first job, uh, you know, I, and the, the web design company that I work for is great as well. But this job at the bank, even though I worked there years ago, it's totally different. And it is such a good environment with great people. And I enjoy going to work every day. I don't enjoy getting up still. It's better, but I don't enjoy getting up. I don't enjoy my mornings. I don't enjoy kind of having to throw everything on and fight that. And then I haven't been driving because I take the bus because of parking. And also gas is whatever it is. Like, let's not sugarcoat it. When you're listening to this podcast episode in 2052, and I'm reminiscing on this, and I remember when gas prices here in BC were one... 95 or whatever they are and i think premium is 20 or 219 or something and in vancouver i think it's 209 at this point you know and in in like you know in 2052 when they no longer have gasoline and now you're currently making your own gas in your basement to run your hot rods with you know we'll be laughing at this because before we ran out of gas completely it was probably like $12 a liter or something like that, right? Be $12.32 and that'll be a deal. But the fact of the matter is right now, I've just been taking the bus because gas is on the on the tight side. And I, and I you know, I missed the bus a few times and been a little bit uh, rushing for work. But most of the time I'm there early. I'm in the village. I'm eating a little breakfast at the Starbucks. I'm getting ready for my day. I even got to read a little bit of Jack Reacher book my Jack Reacher book today on my break. My life balance is starting to come back together. So um, I'm, I'm proud of myself for that. And I'm telling this story not to brag, but I've realized something over the last little while because now I think today is, I think it's 62 days. 
Alexa, how long ago was January 6th? January 6th was two months, three days, and 19 hours ago. Did that answer your question? Yes. Two months, three days, and 19 hours ago, I started meditating. So it's basically all, you know. Alexa, how many days ago was January 6th? Let's... January 6th was 62 days ago. 62 days. So for 62 days, including tonight, because before I hopped on this podcast, I cranked out 10 minutes worth of meditation. Now, I think we might have talked about this a little bit, that I picked 10 minutes because I thought five minutes wasn't enough. 20 minutes, I just knew I wouldn't do it because I just feel like it's too long in my head. And this also might sound funny, but it works out in my head. I think of 15, 15 minutes and 20 minutes as pretty much the same thing. So 10 minutes seem to be the right amount. And I've been doing that every day for 62 days. And before I, I couldn't mention what it actually had been helping with, whether it had been noticeably helping with sleep or health or anything of that sort. But what I have definitely realized recently is a big thing that it's been helping with is I'm getting over things a lot faster, right? Things that upset me, they just... They just don't upset me for as long anymore. I just, I, I breathe through them and all that stuff. And even if I don't breathe through them, I tend to, I tend to just sort of not let it bother me for as long. And also I'm having more vivid dreams when I sleep, uh, probably from, from an oxygen standpoint and all that kind of stuff that I've been, been, I've been doing quite well with. And what was the other thing I was going to tell you guys that I, I get out of meditating every every day. One of the things that I really noticed um, was uh, what was it? What was it? Yeah, I'm just I'm a lot less emotional about things. I tend to I tend to actually feel. Like, I, I haven't cried as much, and, I mean, granted, I got a lot of good things going on, so I'm, I'm pretty happy with that, but, but also just being a little more comfortable with where I'm at, and a little more, a little more at peace, I think, like, I mean, I know it's cliche, but I just think there's that idea of, I get to, I'm getting over things faster, I'm not letting, letting them get me as upset, I'm sleeping better, which means I'm not just sort of hassling with things in my mind. I'm also recognizing too um, some different patterns. So things that I things that I think about ahead of time. So for instance, here's a good example. I want to build a new motor for my car, and I know what I want to build. I either want to build a 383 stroker or a 406 small block. They're both small block chefs for anybody that's into cars. If you're not, uh, deal with it. But um, there's no replacement for displacement, as they say. So I want more cubic inches so I can get more torque. And therefore have to have less horsepower and sort of a less of a wild motor so it can be more streetable and still go faster. My dad wants me to save a little bit more money and buy something that somebody else has already ran. And and it could be a decent motor, but I already know that the options that he thinks are good for me are not going to get me to go as fast as I want. Now, I'm aware that the motor that I build might not get me to go as fast as I would like to go either. But I know automatically the, the two choices that I'm thinking about are going to go faster than 
a smaller cubic inch old 350 or 327. So one of the things that I was battling with was how do I deal with that? And this is what came up, like, and this is because of the meditation. It only lasted a couple of minutes when I was angry about it because I came up with a solution. I recognized that if I don't build the motor that I want to in the way that I want to, I'll hate driving my car and I will resent my dad for it because I'll feel in some way that he made me do it, even though you can't make somebody do something they don't want to do. I'll just feel the peer pressure because it's my dad and I'll do something that I don't want to do and then I won't be happy. So why would I put myself in that situation? If I have to wait longer to build the motor, to save a little bit more money for the new job or whatever, that's something that I have to deal with. But I would rather do that and do it the way that I want to do it than get myself upset. And that mentality translates to a lot of different things. We make a lot of choices in life, especially like I'll use myself as an example. We make a lot of choices in life where we don't really want to do something, but we don't want to say no. And then we end up putting ourselves in a bad situation. There's been lots of times, especially recently, that, that I think we've all gone through that. And I think there's always just these lessons from the universe that tell us, hey, you probably shouldn't have done that. And the thing is, most of the time we know intuitively that we're not supposed to do that or that we shouldn't have done that or we knew better. You know, as you grow and you learn, you go through experiences, you learn. That's what growing is. And we still grow as adults, right? I'm 39, I'm still going to grow. I'm, I'm not as smart as I will be at 80. I'm just not because I don't have as much life experience. But I think one of the things we have to remember is that we need to trust our intuition. And maybe that's actually all that's happening to me is that I've just unleashed my intuition more than than I used to have. I'm not 100% sure on that. But either way, meditation every single day for 10 minutes or more for 62 days is really helping me a lot. And I encourage anybody that wants to do it just look up techniques on the on the internet. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I've got my own mantra from a long time ago from doing a meditation, some meditation classes and things like that. But you can use generic mantras. You can do your own thing. You don't even need a mantra. You can just focus on your breath the whole time. But the whole point is to try and sit there for as long as you can and focus on your thoughts. My mind still races after 62 days on a bunch of different things. But I still focus on my breathing the whole time. And the fact that you're breathing in oxygen and breathing it out at the same time definitely helps a lot of stuff so we're gonna leave her there at 27 minutes and a bit episode 139 of the rolling rambling podcast i love you all talk to you soon